Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. What? Happy, happy hour. Yes, it is. This is a week, man. We yeah. passed BBB. Booster shots for everybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. We found out that chickens have to wear saddles because male chickens or roosters are trying to fuck them and they rip their backs. With, I Listen, I don't know. All I know is Joyce White, White Our, Vance knows the law I, but and she owns chickens, but I did not know that. That I, we have to get her a chicken saddle for Christmas because... Chickens' backs get fucked up because men I, suck. I think you're kink shaming chickens. I, I well, I I did not know this, but she has a lot of chickens. <laughs> but she also happens to be a legal expert, and we got a great yep. uh, lesson and everything going down this week. Not just January six, but uh, Rittenhouse, Aubrey, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's amazing. We love her, and she's our favorite chicken owner. <laughs> yes, yes. Also, we found out there's chicken diapers for indoor chickens. I don't know if she. We has found them. out that there are indoor chickens. Well, we'll find out if Joyce has indoor chickens. That would be funny when she's doing her hit on MSNBC, right? If just a. She said that she has Wi-Fi that extends down to where the chickens are right. outside the house, and she does office hours. That'd be funny. With her college students from yeah. the chicken coop. And then someone so well. says, what the cluck on MSNBC? Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. All right. We also have David Gosar, Paul Gosar's brother. Yep. Yeah. Because to find out the other question of the week, and what the fuck with Paul Gosar? <sighs> I mean, I, I don't think... You can tell I'm a bleeding heart liberal because I'm actually concerned that it's not he, it's a, not a normal I'm actually concerned for AOC's safety yeah. like I he's mm-hmm. he's fucking off man he's there's something really off about Paul Gosar I hope it's not medical beyond, yes. the dipstick yeah. is not touching oil yes is it medical is it is it psychological I don't don't know anyway we get into all that yeah. and uh, everything going on legally with Joyce White Vance and it's just and listen drink one of your what are your what's your cocktail you had yesterday a boulevardier yes okay what's I, in it uh, two parts bourbon, one part Campari, one part sweet vermouth, and I used cardamom bitters and CB distillery, obviously. Yeah. I don't need to add bitters. I've been bitter since the third grade. Uh, yes. Yeah. Very, oh, but listen, bitters bitter. are nice. Drink whatever you got. They're lovely. And enjoy happy. By the time I got to the fifth grade, I was very bitter. Very, very bitter. Okay. A bitter, bitter person. Yeah. Fuck all, fuck all y'alls, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, not present company, of course. Well, thanks. Yeah, just Maybe. Republicans in general. Okay. okay. <laughs> happy, happy hour. Yay. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hi, Joyce fans. Hi, I can't believe we got you. Hello. Good morning. I am so happy to see you on such a busy day. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. And I've been holding in, in my little paw your uh, article telling us all to calm down about the Bannon indictment. And then I want to know, did you prank call every other legal pundit and say, nanny, <laughs> nanny, boo-boo, I told you so, neener, neener, or some version? You know, we're all wrong a lot of the time, and I'm the first person to confess that my crystal ball really sucks. But but sometimes there are things that you can see from a distance. And so this is the perspective of being an appellate lawyer and a trial lawyer and knowing that at DOJ, they really want to make sure that if they charge Bannon, they can both convict him and get affirmed on appeal. So that's all that that article was well, about. Yeah, but you also pointed out that this the, the one attorney was not installed until whenever that was two Fridays ago or something, right? So this was actually yeah. fast for those of us on the on the outside. We didn't realize how fast this actually was. You know, this is a great inside baseball piece for people who are fascinated by the Justice Department. Ninety three U.S. attorneys all across the country. When you get a new president, it takes a while, a surprisingly long time, to get those people installed. D.C. was actually lucky. They had what we call a retread, somebody who's been a U.S. attorney before, a guy named Channing Phillips, who stepped in as the acting U.S. attorney. Mm-hmm. He's been running the January 6th prosecutions. He is, you know, in, in my book, he's the gold standard for what a U.S. Yeah. attorney should be like. So it was in very capable and competent hands. But you do, when you've got somebody who's going to be presidentially appointed and Senate confirmed, you want to get them on board make sure that they're comfortable with the prosecution that's going to bear their name. And so just playing the odds, you knew that this would be at the top of the deck for the newly confirmed U.S. attorney in D.C., and it was pretty fast, right? He gets confirmed on a Friday. He indicts the following Friday. Well, and you said the language in the Bannon indictment, you said on Twitter, it seems like the key to me. He did not comply with the subpoena in any way. So, you know, the other thing is, of course, he pled not guilty. Um, and this, I guess, was unusual. He, uh, they they uh, said that he doesn't need to have the charges read by a judge in open court. An expert... This makes me so nervous. Right. Yeah, an expert I, I... said this is someone who's been charged, wants to hear the charges against him in open court. The fact that he chose not to do so uh, suggests perhaps he doesn't twa- take this as seriously as anybody else. He's obviously out blabbing about it, which you said can be good for the prosecution, but certainly yeah, brazen. Yeah, so... Let me just say, what he waived is arraignment. That's where the court formally reads the charges to you in open court. You know, I I worry because Bannon's game is about delay, deceit, Mm -hmm. using, you know, fake emotion to rally the base. And ultimately, he doesn't want to go to prison, not even for 30 days, certainly not for a year. So anything that happens that's out of the ordinary, even if he waives his right to arraignment, I mean, that should be fine. I worry that they have some evil master plan to set up an argument on appeal. Well, tell me if this is the evil master argument. Uh, I think it was Robert Costa said they're going to hope that Justice Brett Kavanaugh and other conservatives on the court rule in favor of protecting a former president's privilege, even when he's talking to someone like Steve Bannon, who's been out of the White House for years. I, I know it's hard to predict with this Supreme Court, but oh, dear God. 
right? I just I, I thought that was a hard and fast rule, Joyce. That there, this he doesn't have executive privilege anymore. He's not the president, right? This it shouldn't it's matter, so, should it? The, go ahead. You know, it's not quite that clear stuff. There's a little gray area here where the has the opportunity to go out and consult with outside folks. But the bright line that I see is Bannon wasn't there to talk about running the country or the White House. He was there on the campaign or what I would call the insurrection side of the House. And executive privilege doesn't cover your campaign activity. Mm -hmm. That's my bright line. That's what makes cases like Mark Meadows a little bit more complicated. Okay. Okay. Except that I still thought (laughs) he's not president anymore and President Biden is the one with the power of executive privilege. Yes, that ahead. is a really good argument. And again, you know, there's there's a little bit of narrow scope there where a former president can weigh in. But I think that what the law will be when the dust settles and the Supreme Court rules is that ultimately the current incumbent of the White House gets to make the call on executive privilege unless he does something grossly violative for no good reason. Here, Biden from the get-go has been very careful. He's always articulated this narrow exception to executive privilege because January 6th, understanding it, is so critical to the health of our democracy. On that basis, I think that stands up in the Supreme Court. If it doesn't, we're in big trouble. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, by the way, so let's talk about the, uh, you said in sentencing the man known as a QAnon shaman on January 6th, the judge emphasizes that sentencing criminal cases has to be tailored to reflect the underlying goals of the criminal justice system and that deterrence is very important here. So 41 months was the bottom of what they were asking, mm-hmm. 41 to 51. But obviously the, the defense asked for much less than that. And he said, no, I'm not going to go lower than the, the, you know, the lowest. But what is your take on the sentence? I thought it was a I thought it was a good sentence for someone who comes in and pleads guilty and shows remorse. A sentence at the low end of the guideline range is is uh, very often the norm. Um, And 41 months in federal prison is a long time. Here there are also issues, you know, questions of mental health and whether treatment will be available in custody. Because while one of the big bright line policies that our criminal justice system tries to implement is deterrence, another one is rehabilitation. And the real question with these January 6th defendants is can you hold them accountable and punish them and deter others? And simultaneously, can you rehabilitate them so that they don't come out into don't go to prison and they're all coming back home to our community, right? The question is, what do they look like when they come back? And do they have some opportunity to continue this recovery trajectory, sort of breaking themselves out of the cult? Um, It's so easy when you look at criminal cases to think only in terms of punishment. What we have to do, whether it's the January 6th case or where it's any other case, is begin to think more in terms of rehabilitation and and restorative justice, returning these people to to be good community members. Sidebar, Counselor, um, should he get extra time for comparing himself to Gandhi? (laughs) Do you think anyone should get extra time in prison for comparing themselves to Gandhi? Well, you know, Gandhi was a wife beater, right? I mean, whatever his virtues, there were also some downsides there. Whoa! (laughs) Choice <laughs> White Vance throwing out the controversial Gandhi info. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, 
Oh, gosh. Rittenhouse jugs. WTF. You go ahead. I don't. We call him Judge Onion Belt because of his long stories that go nowhere. But uh, I don't. So you, somebody said Rittenhouse, pulling the jurors from the raffle drum, you said a big part of the trial judge's job is guaranteeing both a fair trial and the appearance of fairness so members of the community have confidence justice is being done. Every time this judge strays from that path, it looks more intentional, right? Because you're like, are the jurors going to go, oh, well, he drew my name. And so I, I mean, I don't, it was just weird, right? A clerk does that. I think just weird is the perfect characterization. I don't have a a substantive problem with letting the defendant draw the names, but that's not the usual practice. The usual practice is that the judge or the clerk does it. So this judge already knows that he's done things, you know, probably innocuous things. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb for this judge and say that perhaps there's an innocuous interpretation of the comment he made about Asian food for lunch. Maybe he wasn't commenting on Asian people. Maybe he just knew that they were getting Asian food, and he was trying to make a joke that he didn't land about hoping it was going to show up quickly as opposed to at the speed that boats are being unloaded in right. Los Angeles Harbor, right? I mean, that, Although that's a right-wing that's talking possible. point, and, the, and they're all being unloaded. Fine, now we're well, here. But exact, anyway, let's not talk about That's exactly, a right-wing talking point. But, okay. but, but let me just say, the point that I'm making is, he knows he's done something that maybe in his mind is, in, in, is innocent, but that was taken really badly. What you do as a judge after that happens is you get a tight grip on yourself and you make sure that everything that you do um, sort of buttresses the integrity yeah. of the process, of the legal process. You're careful that you don't have loose lips. You're careful that nothing else happens that could um, cause the public to doubt integrity. And he lets the defendant pull names out of the, you know, I mean. And then after no, that. that's not what you do. Dives into a story about a black guy pulling another black guy's name out of a something raffle bin and it looking bad, being bad optics or something. I didn't even, under, I don't even understand half his stories or his jury instructions. Do you? I mean, you must, but I don't. You know, if, um. If there is a hung jury here followed by a retrial, and if I was the prosecutor, I would file a motion and I would ask the judge to recuse himself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's do the Aubrey trial. You said the, uh, which again, Ahmaud Aubrey, dead, not on trial. Sorry. Don't Mm -hmm. mean to refer to it as that trial. You said the ongoing effort by defendants who killed Ahmaud Aubrey to claim the presence of a a black clergy members during trial uh, is somehow wrong, is deeply disturbing. For people whose lives are centered on their faith, this support is essential to coping with the homicide of a loved one. I mean, to just say we don't want any more black pastors in here. First of all, they didn't say anything about white pastors, I guess, but it's just these trials, both of them are already so charged, aren't they? And to me, Joyce, the, the, the one thing they seem to be about is about the hunting of people. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with vigilanteism? You know, these just look like modern-day lynchings to me. I, I mean, we should clarify and, and say that what happens in Rittenhouse is different, but it's still animated by race and the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement. And so the real question in both of these cases is, who do we want to be as a country, and are we willing to confront what's going on, or do we want to just pretend that it's not happening? That seems to be where a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, I, I want to go back to January 6th for a minute. The California Bar Association out here is being asked to investigate John Eastman, who penned the so- well, one of the yes. so-called coup mm-hmm. memos. There was who knew how many, arguing the vice president had the power to overturn the election. Um, this is from Pence's chief counsel, uh, I, I guess, put the complaint forward. Um, J- Greg Jacob urged an investigation into Eastman, as well as Rudy Giuliani, for working to stop the counting of electoral votes. I, I, 
I was going to ask about your complicity. I mean, if you had written a memo like this for, let's say, a Democratic president, I mean, this now we have Jenna Ellis, John Eastman, and this kid who's not even a lawyer who wrote the, they put it in writing. This what what level of illegal is that or not, Joyce? I wonder if we're not going to reach a point as the January sixth committee continues its work, where the evidence is so compelling. That it, you know, it doesn't just cross the threshold into insurrection and sedition. It just sort of blows away all of the barricades. And DOJ is forced to consider um, criminal prosecutions here. I understand, even if I don't agree with the prudential reasons that DOJ might want to really hesitate on doing cases that could look like political prosecutions, The evidence as it continues to amass, particularly around the Eastman memo and the Ellis memo, is is just really stunning clarity about the level at which they intended to use the law to achieve illegal aims. If nothing else, I think there's very sufficient evidence here to establish a conspiracy to interfere with the operation of government, what we would call a Klein conspiracy, the same type of conspiracy that Bob Mueller um, charged in the Mueller investigation, it's going to become increasingly difficult for DOJ to run away from the facts. Who makes the decision to appoint a special prosecutor? The DOJ? Um, Yeah, I mean, that's done inside of the department, but I don't know why you would need a special prosecutor here. I mean, I guess you could say, well, it would give people more comfort about fairness and I think what know, people whatever, are worried about is if Congress changes hands obviously the, this investigation will go away in Congress you know, but what about the DOJ I, I keep hearing people express that concern and number one everybody who's concerned about that should go out and vote and take their 10 best friends with them and after the Supreme Court eviscerates people's rights to abortion in Dobbs hopefully people who are concerned about abortion across the country will vote too. But but number two, that committee, which is staffed by a former U.S. attorney who has brought on board experienced prosecutors, they have already, you know, at last count, they had talked to 150 witnesses. They continue to do all sorts of work. They will have a report in place by next summer that will present the results of that investigation with stunning clarity. Should they use inherent... DOJ... Should they use inherent contempt as well on people like Bannon so that he is forced, or at least they have a better chance of forcing him to testify rather than just be punished? What do you think? Inherent contempt is a a real hot mess. It hasn't been used for almost 100 years. There's no mechanism. There's no jail. You know, Ted Lieu has introduced a bill. I think it's Ted Lieu has introduced a bill in Congress that would create an updated mechanism for using inherent contempt. You would have to have something like that in place to even think about it. But let me just say this. Do we all love the idea of whatever power, whatever party is in the majority in Congress being able to go out and arrest and incarcerate whoever it wants to? I mean, you might think that that's well, you a know, good idea. Right. You know they'll when, misuse it. Right. I mean, they will well, misuse I mean, it. This is not a, a misuse of it. And here's the thing. If Democrats don't abuse it or don't use it at all, that's not to say Republicans might not. So those arguments are complicated. Yeah. 
Okay. Whatever's done, it needs to be done carefully. I get your mail now. That's how big you are. Kathy in Sacramento, can you ask Joyce? <laughs> as Donald Trump continues to foment an ongoing coup, the DOJ sits on multiple counts of obstruction that Bob Mueller already investigated. Why is Trump not being charged with those? Is there a chance he will be? Is the DOJ mindful of the precedent sets when the president can obstruct justice without consequence? I have all of those same questions. Um, obviously, this comes down to Merrick Garland and his view of whether or not he wants to engage in these cases. I hope he'll get there. Okay. Oh, yay. We end on a happy note. We love you, Joyce White Vance. Okay, the Rittenhouse verdict's probably coming down now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to thank you, God, for getting yes. me, leaving us with Joyce White Vance all morning. We love you. We'll see you soon. Kiss the chickens for us. It's good to see y'all. Kiss the I chickens, will. y'all. Thanks, all right. Joyce. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Paul Gosar, uh, okay, as we mentioned yesterday, retweeted the same violent video uh-huh. right, minutes uh-huh. after he was uh, censured for that video. And so uh, we put out the, we put a giant... Um, a D in the sky. And David Gosar contacted, yes. contacted us and he joins us now. Good morning, David. Uh, Paul's brother, David, who is one of the many outspoken Gosar siblings. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Steph. Good morning. Good. And now we were saying I was, your audio went fluey on Joy Reid, so now we want to hear everything you were going to say. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> no, I do. I Well, listen, I, I you know, I, I we've, we've all probably talked everything we know how to talk about your brother as you have with other people. But I just, I have to ask you, you've seen all the speculation on Twitter. I don't mean this in a cruel way if there is something truly wrong with him physically or mentally, because there appears to really be something wrong with him. And I think I just was curious. I, I know you guys haven't been in contact, but what is wrong with him? Seriously, I don't mean that in a in a cruel way. Well, you know, I know Steph, and and uh, you know, I've heard those same uh, read those same speculations, and I've had uh, professionals also speculate along those lines too. You know, everything from Parkinson's degree, uh, disease to a, a severe drug addiction. Yeah. And um, um, I I truly don't know. I mean, was what was interesting if you saw. You know, he managed to hold it together a brief period of time when he was, you know, addressing the censure motion. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then he went back to his office and he got on Getter, which I'd never even heard of Getter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kind of site like Twitter or whatever. And he was a mess. Yeah. You know, he gave this little address. I won't be cowed. You know, I won't be intimidated. That's what people yeah. were talking about, David. I hope you won't find this indelicate, but people were saying just the, his head movements and that. And I know I've heard everything from antipsychotic medicines to, to. But you don't. I mean, is there a history? Has he been treated for mental illness? Do you know any of that, or or uh, a physical ailment that we don't know of? I don't know, and he's no, he's hiding it. I mean, he denies there's anything wrong with him, and mm-hmm. and there is. 
you know. And, uh, you know, I had his wife suggest to me years ago that there was something seriously wrong with him. She wouldn't tell me what it was. Yeah. But... No, I mean, I'm not being hyper. Yeah, I'm not being hyperbolic, David, when I say I'm actually afraid for AOC and other of his targets because he he just seems deeply unwell. And I just wonder if there's something big we're missing. You know, he's obviously in the garden variety crazy caucus with Marjorie Taylor Greene and, you know, Mm -hmm. Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates. But they're just also I, I think a lot enough people now have commented that you've heard that something seems way off with him. And I'm I'm just yeah curious what you yeah he, he's he's deranged right now and I don't I don't know how much he's actually in control now or if he's just the puppet of somebody else yeah I mean uh, you know but the chilling thought is if they do take back the house which there's indications right now that they will yeah and he gets to be head of the House Judiciary Committee Oversight Committee I mean what kind of damage could he do Oh my God I mean, David. All of- that well, and yesterday Kevin McCarthy, I mean, who clearly is so desperate, <laughs> yesterday he came right out and said, "Oh yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar will get their committees back, and maybe even better committee assignments." Um, he, and then you know they went on to say strongly, he went on to strongly suggest that they will pull Maxine Waters, Ilhan Omar, and more from their committee assignments. So it will be pure rage and vengeance, and and just honestly psychosis if your brother is running some committee. Oh. You know, the whole the, the whole party now just wants to tear everything down. They, they have no intent on good governance. They don't put forth any ideas as to this is what we're going to do for the American people. They just want to wreck things. Yeah. So, I mean, if they want to do that, they can do it. You know, they could they could hamstring the economy. They could defund the DOJ unless all investigations are stopped. Or they could say, look, we're not going to fund the government because all appropriations have to come through them first until you do X, Y, Z. They'll do what they've always done. They'll investigate their enemies based on nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, well, you know, I'm reading this piece about, you know, the, to stand out in the muddle of conspiracy theory and fury that defines this group, you know, Green and Boebert and Gates and Cawthorn, requires finding a niche within a niche uh, where was this piece? Washington Post about your brother. Um, Gosar was lucky he was the central animating issue for the fringe of the moment were false claims about the 2020 election unfolding in his state in Arizona. Um, Gosar was linked to the most ridiculous of the claims about the election in Arizona. His chief of staff, Tom Van Flyn, was alleged to have participated in a late night surveillance of a Korean airplane purportedly ferrying ballots. I hadn't even heard that conspiracy theory yet. My God. But- it's new to me. And, and, you know, it impresses upon the need for the Department of Justice to get things going. And, you know, I, I heard your interview with Joy Vance, and, you know, she's a nice lady, but, you know, I've, I've worked in this field for 30 years, too. And I can tell you, I mean, she's an ex-DOJ um, official or, you know, attorney. Yeah. She has an affinity for it. She wants to sort of protect them. Yeah. That's not... Right. You you don't need to wait to the new DOJ appointed head of that department to come in. I mean, think about it. A murder gets committed, and you're going to say, "Ah, oh, we can't we can't indict because we got to wait till the new DOJ you know head of the office comes in." That's not how it works. You you don't even need to go in, in for misdemeanor cases. You don't even need to go to a grand jury. You can file an information uh, to do that. So I mean, it could have happened like that. Um, that he would have been indicted. Oh, you're talking they're about you're talking about uh, Bannon. Bannon. Yeah. They're clearly dragging their feet 
Yeah. There is no question. And if they drag their feet too much more, we're going to get into next year's. Oh well, it's political. Now we can't do anything. You know. You, you know. You. I'm going to house. And they, they stopped the investigations and nothing's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's an urgency here. Yeah. Well, that's why I hope it ends up being, you know, a special prosecutor or something that is not going to matter which way the House goes. But, you know, you said something, and I'm going to guess it's because you listened to me. Um, <laughs> you said to the Washington Post, um, these House trolls, they all have to one-up each other. That's what they are. Your brother's in the troll caucus. That's all they do 24-7. You said he um, he noted his brother blamed his staff for the video, which, of course, all these cowards blame someone else. But you said in addition to establishing his niche as a far-right member of Congress who gets how things work online, Gosar also sees this as being a tool to appeal to younger voters. Gosar claimed the video was part of his team's efforts to reach out to it. I guess, as I said yesterday, a newer generation of murderous, uh, racist, (laughs) misogynists. I mean, it is such a ridiculous thing right this to say this violent video is supposed to appeal to younger people oh and it's preposterous you know that wasn't intended to do that that's just the excuse you know just imagine if you're back in the 1930s and a politician you know before hitler took power oh i i want to i'm going to go talk to the hitler youth you know i need to appeal to the young voters i mean come on you know, that's yes. ridiculous. Yes, it is getting the, the Hitler Youth demo. They're, they're correct. That is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in, uh, I don't where David, are you, you're not in Arizona, or are you? Oh, Wyoming. I'm in right. Wyoming. Oh, okay, because um, I just thought this was the perfect, because like you were, as you were talking about, you know, he happened to, uh, in the crazy caucus, your brother happened to latch on to the crazy state in the crazy big lie, the Arizona thing. And so, it, But this story, Arizona investigators caught admitting they don't believe Trump's big lie and don't know how elections work. After months of pressure um, from uh, former Tr- President Trump, Arizona Republican Attorney General's office recently lost an investigation of the 2020 election. Agents were caught on tape admitting they don't really believe the 2020 election was st- stolen and saying they lack basic knowledge about how the state's voting system systems work um one of the audios uh the um they asked one of the investigators is your boss that desperate in his primary that he's going to push this bull narrative uh, about a stolen election the investigator responded well nobody's talking about a stolen election at all i mean what i would ask is what percentage of republicans and well and again i i don't i don't feel your brother's in his right mind no offense <laughs> but i don't know does he really believe this or is he part of the cynical caucus that knows that there was no stolen election and this is just his troll niche? You know, with him, it's hard to say because I agree he's not in his right mind. And, and he talks himself into things he has his whole life, you know. But, but he talks himself into things that always benefit Paul, you know. So that, that's the right thing to do. But, you know, coincidentally, Paul benefits, you know, because of that. And, and a lot of these people at the top don't believe this. Of course, it's just a big grip they're playing. But I'm going to tell you, you know, because I live in Wyoming, it's as red as you can be. Mm-hmm. These people believe it. Yeah. yeah, They believe it's stolen. Okay. Right. And, well, that's what I mean. And, the polling shows a large majority, or at least a majority of Republicans believe it was stolen. Based just no. on one guy, mm-hmm. on Trump saying it. I mean, right. yeah. Right. You can't, and you, you talk to him, you can't convince him of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you could say, well, look, there were 60 court cases. You know, you you know, you could just go down the line of the stuff that disproves it. You know, uh, uh, Attorney General Barr said that there was no fraud. Yeah. I mean, you just keep going down, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, you, you know? feel like you have to cite 
Trump's head of Homeland Security, right. Trump's attorney general, all the Trump judges in the 60 courts that said there was no fraud. But you're right. It just bounces off. They, they don't they don't hear it. You could have Trump caught on video saying this is all a big lie. Corey, then, Lewin, Corey Lewandowski it, said it said he knows it's a big lie. Corey Lewandowski was uh, quoted in the new Carl John Carl book as saying he knew the night the network called it that he lost. Yeah, but you could not right now. You could have Trump himself say it, and then as long as he came back later and said, "No, oh, that's that's you know fake yeah. news." Yeah. Mm. yeah, they would they would just revert back to that. Yeah. Well, um, I don't as a you know as a liberal helper. I hope your brother gets help if he needs it. Mm. Have you ever heard that saying about in Jaws about it, like a doll's eyes? They're all the he's kind of dead in the eyes. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Like a doll's eyes. I don't well, and, and I'm gonna tell you, Steph. Maybe that's the only thing. That will prevent McCarthy from putting him in a in a serious role. Yeah, because yeah. It, you know, yeah, it, it'll look bad. You'll appreciate the com- so. You'll appreciate the comedy that uh, Travis wrote into your show prep. Uh, it says David Gosar joins us to talk about the black sheep of his family. That's funny because calling a racist <laughs> like Paul Black is even more triggering for him. <laughs> That's funny. That's clever. That's funny. Yeah, don't call him a black sheep. No. <laughs> But, but, but really, Steph, he's the only one. We've got, you know, there's 10 siblings. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, is... he's the one that had to get elected to Congress. Yeah. You know, before before he was running, you know, I, had, I hadn't had a falling out with him. I, there was no acrimony. There was no argument as yeah. an adult. But nevertheless, when he was running, I was thinking, oh, my God. And then I thought, well, he won't win. Right. And then my other brother said, no, he's probably going to win. And I go, oh, this is going to be bad. Oh, man. I mean, so even before this all happened, I mean, it's kind of baked into his character to to go off the rails. Where is he in the lineup of the 10? What age? He's the firstborn. Oh, oh he's the oldest. Okay. Yeah. As most serial killers. I mean, oh, uh, well, a sibling, older older siblings oh. are. Um. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, what was he growing up? Was he a bully? Was he, he was normal growing up? And then what? Pretty much, you know, I mean, he, he, he didn't, he, he was a person who didn't strictly adhere to the truth in our family, you know. No. I mean, he, he had that reputation. Oh, look, at there's even spin even in the family. Let's not call him a liar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's taking that to a whole other level yeah. now, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, normal upbringing, there, there was nothing. I mean, yeah. we had a great childhood there. You know, we were blessed to be in that family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, wow. So, you know. Now, there goes the nature-nurture argument. I guess he was born this way. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Then we'll think he's, we're calling him gay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> David, call us anytime. Always nice to check in with you. And thanks thanks for reaching out because it's a, you know we're all yeah. going through this together. And by the way, we all have – I can't go into mine, but we all have family stuff, believe me. It's just <laughs> – yeah. and I, I think Trump has – you know, just fractured this country in a way that I'm not sure how we repair it. But uh, oh, I, I agree, Steph. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a pleasant thing for any of us to go through. But yeah. but like my sister said the other night, everybody has a duty at this point to speak out because this is a five alarm fire. And if if everybody doesn't uh, bring all hands on deck, yeah. yeah. We're in serious trouble. Yeah, no, I mean, I've we've, a lot of us have seen it in our own family and friends where, you know, you used to be able to be funny and, you know, have differences of opinion about politics. And it's just, I, I do date it to Trump where it got really, really ugly and personal. And I can say that from a personal point of view. So I feel your pain. We're, uh, we are kindred spirits. Yes.
Right. <laughs> All right. Love you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Paul. Oh, oh my no, God. God. Oh, I said Paul, and you said Paul. That's the worst <laughs> name you, you could call Paul. him. David. David. Oh my God. David. David. Gosar. Thank you so much. <laughs> We thank suck. You guys. We suck. Yes. Right. Okay. Thank you. Bye. David. 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 What's wrong with I you? I didn't say it. You said it. Oh what do you mean, God. what's wrong with you? Oh, my God. Let's see. I used your line against him yeah. when I did it. Uh-huh. Okay.